yes, yes, people, we're back again for another episode of the One Two Podcast. We'll be on episode seventeen now. An eventful weekend, as per usual, and with my co-host, my usual co-host, Dave. What's Dice good? Down. What's good? Come on, bro. Had a bit of a poor weekend, I must say. Yeah, <laughs> but we will get onto that. But um, yeah, man, we're here to dice down. All the usual drama that's gone down this weekend. Be sure to follow me on the Instagram. Be sure to just follow everything. Now I've got link tree in my bio. So go to my Instagram, click the link, and you'll find everything that you need to from the podcast, the playlist, Twitter, YouTube, everything. Also be sure to subscribe to Galazzo's YouTube channel. You know, he posted today a little, little nice little Erling Haaland compilation. I see that. Yep, yep, yep. Check it out. Come on, bro. Yeah. Be sure to check out all of that. But without further ado, we'll get on straight with today's episode. So, there's only one place to really start. Arsenal. Mm. Wolves. Actually, no, actually, no. Before I start, RIP to Diego Maradona. Yes. First, firstly, because that guy's obviously, undisputedly a legend of goal of the game. And, um... Yeah, that was one of the reasons why we didn't record the last podcast. Well, I, me personally, I wasn't in the right frame because, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, that was like when Kobe died. Mm. Like it was like our equivalent, football equivalent, I guess. Literally. I think he's probably the best equivalent to a Kobe because not only are they iconic on the field, but they are very iconic off the field as well. Mm. You know, not to take away from players like Messi or those kind of players who might not be as extravagant but you look well yeah you know you look at these players and you're like they just have the whole package so first most R.I. Peter Diego Maradona each and every time I've done so many posts on him on my page so if you are somehow a football fan and you don't know about Maradona you don't know too like you might have because to be fair he is from another generation so as I said yeah. be sure to check out all the posts that I made on him and you get a little taste and obviously after you're done listening to this podcast look up the <laughs> compilations and everything yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah man we'll get with all the drama this weekend and as I said you have to start off at the Arsenal versus Wolves game <sighs> stinker bro this, I don't even really know what to say like you know what literally last week or a few weeks ago I would have never said it, it would get this bad I don't know, it's weird because it feels like like you're seeing the numbers and the stats and the way we're playing mm. and it just seems like awful but in my heart it doesn't seem as bad it doesn't seem as bad as it has been do you know what I mean? I feel as if it has yeah. been a bit worse I feel like we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into it but I just on the like grand scheme of things I do feel like there's many factors which are not falling into I mean, it's, it's such a sticky situation. I don't want to make excuses. This is a third home loss in a row. Yeah. Um, as I said in... I, I think I made a tweet about it. I haven't made it in my post. But it's getting... It's now just hit that worrying stage. Yeah. Like, previous losses were like, you know what? We can accept that they were the better side in the day. Or you know what? Let's just see if it was a one-off day. This is now hit that worrying stage where I'm worried now because it might not even be... as Like you said, it might not be that bad. But it's, it could easily go left from here now. This exactly. is where it could easily spiral and look much worse. I mean, things we have our opinions on Emery. What I will say about Emery was 
he done decent in his first season. You know, we only just about missed out on top four by one point, I believe. Mm. Got to the Europa League final. The Europa League final itself was tragic, one of the worst days in Arsenal's history. Yeah. But the lead up to it, very, very good football. So there was a little something there to hold on to. But we saw what happened with Emery where a couple of bad results happened. Then I think there was always, there was that one result where everything then began, began to spiral. And I just, I feel like, I'm, I'm not going to say it will happen, but it's something to definitely be wary about. Yeah, especially with like Tottenham Hotspur on the horizon. Bro. <laughs> it could get messy. But yeah, before we, before we move on, obviously early on in the match, there was a corner and David Luiz and Jimenez kind of had a bit of a coming together. When I first saw it, I'd noticed it straight away, like, Bro, the connection, I heard that. I was thinking, yeah, and then nasty. you see the players' reactions. Yeah. And you just know, like, it's deep. Yeah. So, yeah. Whole 10 minute period, like, this is deep. But obviously, I think he is conscious. I mean, I think that's what I read, remember reading earlier. I made a post about, yeah. obviously, he did have the fracture score. So, it is worrying because it gives you strong vibes of the Ryan Mason situation. Yes. And it would be very sad to see. Obviously, a player like Raul Jimenez, who's been one of the league's best strikers for a couple seasons now, mm. go out like that. Obviously, if there's like precautions and he has to like retire and stuff, then so be it because we don't want like a player who's not really fit to play to play. But it would be sad. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah. So yeah, speedy recovery to him. Hopefully, he can overcome that because that did look like a night. I mean, even we might as well just quickly nip that situation in the bug because. David Luiz should not have been playing. I don't wish he'd been playing. A hundred, like, there was like, within five minutes, there was literally blood spewing out of his his head. And did you see how the, when he was even, he was going over to Jimenez to kind of like check on him over, which is all right. But like, even the, the medics were just like, you can't, you can't look at him because it will just traumatize you so much. Like even on, so... There's, there's just so many levels like the trauma of just like practically knocking someone clean out and bro one thing that properly annoyed me was like well it didn't properly annoy me but it kind of got under my skin is you see these commentators and they're like they're they're proper get stuck in merchants man yeah they're like if you can um firm it they kind of encourage that yeah not that um, they encourage it but they're like oh he got into that little collision but he's getting up and he's ready to get back. He's back the warrior again. I don't, yeah, I don't know why people call him what, like. This is not good. Like we're not in war. Know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like guys go off. That's why he came off in the Europa League. I'm pretty sure for something for just even like a knock. Never mind an actual hardcore head injury. And I thought this season they introduced way more way more legislation. Like if you. If you hit your head, like even even minimally, there needs to be a free. On. There needs to be a free like um, concussion kind of sub. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it's honestly not worth, it. and it, that's the thing. It then occur- encourages, um, or not encourages, but it's just like, oh, if he if he played on, then oh, I should be able to play on, or yeah, because yeah. a player. The, the thing is, the player will never ever say. I want to come off where I don't feel I don't feel 100% it's kind of like um, you see boxing yeah there's always that um, your team's there to pull you out of the corner I think that's what it's called yeah or throwing the towel that's it yeah 
That's the medic's it's, job. Like they're putting a yeah. bandage on his head. They can see his head is like, oh my god. It was actually really. It wasn't really nice to see. Like, cause I, he was like a walking representation of what happened to Jimenez. Mm, yeah, he somehow managed to. Cause I thought David Luiz is just a nutter in general. So I don't yeah. know how he managed to get off from that, but they were they the exact same situation. Time, a yeah. half time, Arteta was saying that he was dizzy. That's why he didn't play on. I think I'm not even trying to blame him for the goal, but I feel like. I look at him after that goal and he just... He was not an aerial threat at all. Not an aerial threat. He looked kind of dazed and then obviously he looked for the second goal. Again, I'm not blaming him, but I feel like a normal fit David Luiz might have put a foot in or might have closed him down. He was mm. just kind of just standing there just observing it. Yeah. And I, again, like I just feel like he was not fit to like carry on. So they definitely need... Because to be fair, there's bare loose ends around that wall and that whole situation so they need to kind of put an official rule there and stuff like that and as i said the free concussion rule needs to be a thing because these are unprecedented it's not like you don't prepare for obviously a concussion to happen and it's such a as you said situation where a player would want to stay on but they're not fit to stay on mm. so they need to there needs to be a kind of rule where you get a free sub where I don't know. There needs to be something done on that situation. Carl. This yeah. can't keep happening. Careers can get ruined. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, hopefully, speed recovery to Raul is each and every time. But um, yeah, man, Arsenal yeah. just... It's, it, it was so poor. Like, yesterday, yesterday was like... Poor from everyone. Like, only one... The only one you can leave with his head held high was Gabriel Magalash. Yeah. He's literally... It's poetic that he fucking scored the goal as well. He's literally our saviour. Literally. Because, bro, we can... I'll name shot the whole team. I feel Leno wasn't to blame on much of the goals yesterday. Maybe... I, I still have a problem with him parrying the ball. Like, obviously, that's, it was a deflection I saw, but... Bro, I, that's always been my issue with him. But I don't yeah. want to mention it every time because people then try to run that I've got an agenda. But the guy always parries. He can't, can't catch a ball. I've never seen them catch a ball. I don't mind an, an, a, like a parry little hair or there, but it's like, gee, you're not meant to parry every single shot that comes at you. Because the thing with parrying, strikers on wingers in particular, especially in that, the way that Wolves attack is set up, they're, they're trained to Pounce respond them. to parrying. Yeah, yeah, it's literally that they go into position like nowadays commentators or like analysts or whatever, they're like, oh yeah, good anticipation from the striker to follow it in. I'm thinking these guys are trained to score goals. Like that's what their job is. Of course, they're going to chase every ball, and it's like if you can, ba- if you have basic reading of the game and like angles and stuff. If he hits the ball outwards, you just need to be there to tap it in. He's there's no way he can recover. And obviously, yeah, I did. I was I was actually getting mad when I saw it, but then I was calmed down. I was told it's deflection, but and I did see yeah, the deflection. It took still, a deflection, but yeah, like I, it's still yeah, man. It's, that was the representation of what usually happens. Yeah, so there's Leno, Bellerin, right. So with Bellerin, I had... It's such a sticky... Because the thing is, I like him as a guy. Mm. But we need to take sentiment out of the situation. And I do feel like this season, going forward, he had a bit more end product to his game. And I was willing to congratulate or uh, applaud him for that. Mm. But he's a liability on the side. I feel like uh, last night's game really just kind of made me move a bit cold now with these players yeah 100% because they don't oh, they don't care about us realistically yeah and I'm thinking I've to be honest 
as I said, I'll congratulate Bellerin for his slight improvement this season. You know, congratulations on the call up, everything. You know, I got a couple assists in there and cool. But I always said that Maitland now should never have been dropped. Never. Bro, we'll get onto it later. But it's no coincidence that since Maitland now and Urzel, obviously Maitland now is not to the extent of Urzel. But the two have both been exiled out of this Arsenal side. We don't, we rarely see both in them now. Mm. That's why Maitland House is ready to leave. Fam, and it's not a coincidence that our form has slowly gone down since the exit of them two. Mm. But as I said, we'll get on to it. So, Bellerin, um, I'm, it is what it is now. He needs to kind of make steps out because he's not, yeah. The thing is, he's not offering anything defensively. No. And gets pushed off the ball way too easily. He's a passenger, and his attacking is not better than. I don't. It's not better than Maitland House. Yeah, and he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not. I'm gonna say because he maybe can. That's the thing. The thing with these players is that it's so hard to like say. Like these guys know how to do certain stuff. They just don't do it. And at this point. It was like the thing I was saying I was the other day I was saying on my story about being like world class and that stuff. If you're not performing for me on on the match day, what's the point? I don't yeah. care if you can do it. I don't care if you did do it. I don't care if you will. If you're not doing it now, you should not be on the pitch. That's it. Simple. And right now he's not he's not adding anything defensively. He's attacking maybe one or two bursts in a game out of position well, like compare mad. him compare him going forward to Reese James. Exactly, that's the thing. Right he's back. he's not like some. He's not. That's what, like like you were saying. He's not. He's not so good at attacking that. Okay, we can sacrifice defensively. Bro, he kind of. I'm not gonna say he reminds me of Wambasaka because obviously I feel, I personally believe, with all due respect, Wambasaka is one of the worst right backs going forward. Defensively, yeah. he's elite, but going forward, he's tragic. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. starting to feel like. Your more polished version of Wambasa can go forward. Yeah. Like you don't offer anything. As I said, Reese James, elite going forward. Trent Alexander, elite going forward. Even Matty Cash at Aston Villa, mm. elite going forward. Tarek Lamptey, elite going forward. Like there's actually so many names. Kyle Walker. Yeah. Who's who's the, is that Tottenham? Serge Ori has been better than him this season. Serge Ori's gone on the radar this season. Yeah, he has been doing his thing so. So there's so many guys who are clear of that guy and I just it's time to really just cut ties and maybe you can start fresh in another league you know it is where it is because mm. the thing about Bellerin is like I've been holding on to the hope that he might come back onto that 14-15 um, form when we deep it that is six years ago six slash five years ago how much longer are we gonna um, how much longer am I gonna do it I feel like I'm, I'm getting to that point where it's like you're just not that player anymore. You, it's, it's been a peak injury, you know, it hit you hard. And I feel like the diet, the whole vegetarian diet thing has not helped him in any way, shape or form as well. Probably made him more healthy in himself, but not stronger, I don't think. Yeah. Because the way he just gets pushed off the ball, wait. Well, it's rude. It's actually rude. And, <laughs> so wait, so we had, and then Gabriel was obviously solid. Yeah. Uh, Louise, what happened with him? Then um, Kieran Tierney, where I like Kieran Tierney, but I am an unbiased guy to address where he has his faults. And I feel like there's definitely potential there. Mm. And I'm not going to completely call him out like I would with your Bellerins. 
But I do think there's a bit of a reoccurrence the way he gets easily beat at times for some of these goals. Yeah, you think? that's I, I 100% agree with you. What I would say is that him and him and like last night in particular, and from what I've seen of them before, he uh, he is usually good at fourteen um, try array in particular. Mm. He was obviously a targeted, and the goal he did get beat. What I would say is that for the goal, try didn't necessarily take Tierney on. He kind of just they kind of just ran parallel to each other, and then try well timed his crossing well which obviously we're yeah. talking about should have been defended better because it wasn't a great it wasn't an amazing cross yeah definitely and I feel like last night wasn't like his worst mistake yeah like, he's had worse ones like against Liverpool against yeah. Yeah. Aston Villa like these were worse ones this this was probably like the lightest one out of all of them to be honest but yeah. it's like he's going to become exposed yeah. because he is I just feel like he's having a slightly poor season compared to last season. I feel like, and the thing about I feel about Tierney is, it's I know it might sound mad. I just feel like he's adopting this Arsenal disease. Yeah, because I feel like you chuck you chuck him in to a Liverpool side, he will get better. I feel like he's, I don't know. As I said, the way he's getting beat easily, it's like he's slowly adopting some of these habits from the rest of these guys. Do you know? That's exactly. Remember we were saying it the other, like last yeah. week how if you're a good player in a bad team, it's so hard to stand out. Yeah, like That's it's, you have to praise it's a life rule well. as well. Like if you're a bro if you're like a, a rich guy, not not rich guy, if you're a guy with a good mentality and you're trying to go far in life, if you hang around with five other bums, yeah. you'll eventually become a bum yourself. Yeah. And you, you can you can see he is trying hard to kind of stand out but it's, yeah it's difficult yeah like he's and the thing is as I said I like the guy because I feel like he's the only one in the side who actually cares you know yeah. we saw we saw what he'd done against Leeds when mm. other players in the side are hugging up the guy who got your player sent off yeah rattling literally Kieran said to say you know let's let's talk about this if you're if you're really gonna be that kind of guy let's have it face to face He's, re- he's really to up- he's there to confront these guys and you've got other guys on the side who are just a bit soft so I like Tierney let's not get yeah. it twisted he cares and I just think he's hitting a bit of a poor run of form and as I said it's, just, it's one of those things where need to be addressed because we can't pay for over it like I see the left back debates Regulo mm. and Chilwell right now are definitely care- clear of Tierney mm. whatever people want to think but yeah that's the back line you move on to the midfield Granit Xhaka now I'm cutting ties with him. I'll be wrong. Do you know what? It's easy to say now, but I never, tr- I've never ever trusted that guy. Because the thing is, it's like the change that he the, with T- Xhaka is that in his bad in his bad state, Arsenal were terrible as well. And he in a game he can play well, but that one mistake. You can play a 10 out of 10. You make that one mistake and it's kind of sweet because his mistakes were goal-scoring opportunities. Mm. So he would give away penalties. He would get spun. He would be out of position. He would give away a sloppy pass. Da, 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 da. Yeah, he always finds himself in those like predicaments. Exactly. And maybe you can talk about, oh, he's being exposed, this and that. Centre-back's not 
providing this, doing that, whatever, any excuse you want to provide. The mm. fact of the matter is, when I'm looking at the mistake, when I'm looking at the goal of you conceded, Jaka was usually at the stem of it. Now he's been, okay, you can say he's in, quote unquote improved because he hasn't done that. Mm. But he's still not, he's still not. He hasn't hit those heights. And he's playing at centre back. Like, the thing about Jack is like, my view, my stance on Jacker during the whole situation from when he got booed off to when he was under Emery was he's a decent player, got a nice long pass and got a nice long shot on him. But that's it. He's a very limited player. Are these not Pogba vibes when we're saying when Pogba swings a nice yeah. over the top? Is that why we have him in the team for? Is that it? Literally. Like, there's more to a game than those two attributes where... He's elite at those, you know, there's no one that you can't dispute that. But bar that, what are you offering? You're limited. You're in that midfield. You might as well not be there because we always get run over there. But as I said, during this whole period, I felt like that early Emery period, I'd feel like he didn't get the credit he deserved during that period from, what was it, summer 18 to going into 2019. Obviously, that's a small period, but that's my only kind of kind of stance I've had on him as a good player on this side everywhere else I felt like he doesn't really understand. he's very limited and he when we're talking about him getting exposed like he's the one who actually exposes the defence him being there might as well not be there Yeah, he doesn't offer much tackling he doesn't offer much flair he doesn't offer much like forward passes I always see backwards passes. I mean, some might say it's due to Arteta's system, maybe he's instructed to do that. But all I'm seeing is backwards and side passes, and that's it. Backwards, sidewards, and long-range passes. Because yeah. we don't even see much long-range goals anymore. Like, he can't even hang on to that. What was his, his last long-range goal was what? That one against Liverpool, what, three years ago now? We're 2020 now. That was three years ago. Oh, Actually, no, the one, the free kick against Newcastle in Emery's first game or something. That's it. Like, yeah, you can't yeah, hang yeah. on to that one anymore. Like, he doesn't score long-range goals anymore. What does he actually offer? And it's like, it's time to cut ties because when Partey came anyways, my always preferred midfield pivot was Partey and Sabayos. Yeah, 100%. Because I feel like them two offer something that Xhaka doesn't. But we'll move on to Sabayos anyway. I don't want this to be a Xhaka witch hunt because Xhaka definitely has a little fan base where they're out they're ready to defend him me i would never know why but you know everyone likes their own player i cut I, yeah i cut ties for that guy a long time ago i just i was keeping quiet when he was doing well because there's no point but yeah yeah the next the next brother next to him danny sabayas sabayas is a weird one he's the, What's your oh, he's just the most confused he's one of the most confusing guys Literally. because he looks lost he looks lost in the team because honestly i don't know what he's doing because we all think of him as some like dynamic like not not attacking mid but definitely not defensive like linking play creating chances this and that but sometimes i'm seeing him collect the ball from center back and then he's not necessarily a ball carrier he's he's not taking Honestly, I don't know. I, like with I don't him, know what like when he first came, I was gassed. Like, yeah, we saw what he done with that under twenty one years of Spain. Like, baller came here, 
done work first, then um, he went through that little, I wouldn't even say it's a little period, he went through a, a good little period where like he was performing poor and I was ready to say, yep, you know what, it's not worked out, it's only a long spell, you go back to Real Madrid, we keep it moving and find a new replacement. Then towards the end, yeah, so yeah, towards the end of the season, obviously under Arteta, him and Xhaka were actually in a little partnership and I'd say it's more on him because he was actually the guy, surprisingly enough, putting in a lot of tackles. I remember his tackling numbers were quite high. His defensive numbers overall were quite high. He was good when it came to the transitional play, moving the def- ball from the defence to the attack. So I'm saying, during the end of that last season, he actually looked like a very solid player and I was an advocate for having him again for another season as that kind of deep line playmaker. But ever since he's come back, from that loan spell, he had a good game against Sheffield United at home. Mm. I can't name another game. I feel like I'm seeing him now. He doesn't put in any tackles like he used to. He doesn't really transition the play like he used to. He gives away the ball a lot now. I thought it was just a bit of a poor run of form. But now it's like, like, gee, like when when are we going to see some good run of form now? That's the thing. It just seems like... I remember we were saying... I was trying to give them the benefit of doubt for the Villa game. Where I just thought everyone was just... Just having a bad off day. Like, it was hard. Like, we shouldn't really... We shouldn't judge them as players. But we, I've just seen the same thing, if not worse. Yeah. And like Xhaka yesterday... Offered zero protection. Like, I will... You know, crucify the defence when they need to be crucified. But the... Like, the... the, the the smallest excuse I'd give to them is that this midfield offers zero protection. When there's no Thomas Partey there, and, and even then, Thomas Partey himself is not a defensive midfielder like that, but he mm. definitely offers that bit of protection there that none of Xhaka or Ceballos right now can offer him. So if they're not offering protection, you like to think maybe are they offering something creative? Maybe are they caught upfield too much? Mm. No creativity at all. So yeah. then we'll move on to upfield, really. And Joe Willock, I don't have anything against the guy he's still young and I like what he offers Hmm. and I think he's a good number eight box to box midfield he's got a great engine got an eye for goal can put a foot in when he needs to great player you know he could have been our he has the making should I say to be our our Ramsey maybe in a couple years time if he can uh, polish up on a couple areas could be a nice little Aaron Ramsey replacement there maybe not to the flair and ability of him and goal getting ability but a little something there. It's good squad player to have in the Europe League games and that. But yeah. he's not a number 10. No, and, and he's been forced to play there. And this is now where we come onto the Urza discussion because this is for all you get stuck in merchants, you hardworking, you kilometres covered merchants who were crucified Mr. Urza. Passion. Literally. You were crucified Mr. Urza. You was vilifying him, making him. And this is why I see Arsenal's downfall. And a part of me is just like, yeah, like, it's sad. Mm. But then a part of me is just like, you know what? I still thought I was right. I was, I was always saying, Mesut Ozil should not be getting dropped. Mesut Ozil's not the bad player here. Mesut Ozil's our only source of creativity. And you guys ended up winning. And it feels like, I'm not trying to say I was ahead of the curve when you have. It wasn't just me. Many other people in this Arsenal fan base. But it couldn't be more clearer now that Ozil was never the issue. And now him being exiled and we're having to play Joe Willett there as our creator. Bro, it, it, you know what? It seems as if Arteta was just taking the piss and just being like, I told you, man, this guy is not 
what we need or not not what we need but like because i think there was a bit of like oh yeah why is he not playing but it's because it's just unfair to him if anything just to throw him in literally Yeah, to all you people coming from Mikel Arteta because of the mental health situation, please just put two and two together, use a bit of common sense and realise this was not part of Mikel Arteta's plans. Yeah, I, I don't know how he's much calling out, He is literally calling out for him literally. to be in this. I don't know how much times I have to say this. He started every game under Mikel Arteta when he first came mm-hmm. until the whole situation happened. Since that situation happened, not seeing him. This is not on Mikel, so... That's what, that's what I'm referring back to earlier when I was talking about the factors um, that are kind of out of Mikel Arteta's hands. It's, this is one of them. He didn't want to see Meza Ozil go out like this. Mm. He actually used him. But yeah, so anyone coming from Mikel Arteta, as I said, use a bit of sense in the situation. Mm. But yeah, now this team's crying out for Meza Ozil and it's just like, I was deep in it the other day. Like Arsenal, well, obviously we've been that side where play good football, you know, Wenger ball, all of that stuff. But um, we had so many creators at our disposal from your Jack Wilshers to obviously a Mezzo Ozil, Santi Cazorla, Aaron Ramsey, you know, couple like lower players in the ranks, but they were still offer a little something. Yeah. Now, zero, absolutely zero. Now Ozil's act officially out of the side, zero. Like I looked up, who's our creator? It's not Sabaros, it's not Jacko, it's not Willock. That's the thing. That's the that's the main main thing, is that when Arteta came in, it almost seemed as if his only job, like obviously Arsenal were in a they were in a bad state, but if anything, the good thing about us is that we were creating and scoring goals. That was never like a problem for us. So he basically he must have thought, like, let me just pattern this defense. Let me put in some, obviously, like attacking plans and this and that. But end of the day, this is a well. This is a well. I don't need to touch. Don't t- don't fix what's not broken in a way, because he wasn't. Some of his like teams were a bit hmm, you would question, but they were never. They were never completely outlandish. Like there was usually a reason behind them. But now it just like the defense. I don't want to say it seems fine because we we're still sh- we're shipping goals more recently, but that was our one kind of holding on. That was the one thing we could hold on to. Like whatever happened, I like now this is as I said, it hit that warming stage where it's like I Arsenal fans can't even hold on to at least our defense is solid in this game, and it's just our attacking, shipping mm-hmm. goals at the back, not shipping goals at the forward. Like it's a whole team issue. Like so, yeah. Now moving forward on. William, we don't even need to speak about that guy, to be honest. Got a, he got oh, a good assist. Waste, bro. But other than that yeah. one assist. Oh, my extreme language, but yeah. Um, I feel you, though. I feel you. Like, Reese Nelson should be starting. Then on the other flank, who is it? Oh, my mind's gone. He was on the other flank. Because I know almost. Was it? I swear Saka was. I could have sworn he was rested. 
No, Saka was on the left. He was rested um, for the Europa League game. Was it? Saka played well, to be fair. So I didn't even know. That's that's not a really good sign. Yeah, it wasn't good. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. That's the thing. He he didn't stand out, but mm. he didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't horrible. Yeah, but I think what we need to talk about is uh, Pierre Pierre Emerick or Bamiang. Yeah. Because um, the dialogue needs to be open now. Like I was, I was on a thing where you know Bamiang's form was due to him playing as a touchline winger. You know, he's playing way too out wide. <laughs> he needs to be as an inside forward. He's be, he played a couple games as an inside forward again, not really showing too much. So I'm like, you know what? Like the rest of the fan base, chuck him up top. You know, that's his position. He's guaranteed goals there. And he's played the last two games as the, the starting striker for Arsenal FC. And it's not even like don't get me, don't get it twisted. He's starving. We're not creating nothing, as we just addressed then um in the previous point. But he had more than enough chances to at least get on the score sheet once yesterday. Literally. This guy, he doesn't... I'm not, I'm not like vilifying him because I feel like even if he does go on his poor run of form, I thank him for what he's done. You know, this is his first ever poor run of form. And as I said on my tweet, we should Arsenal should never have been this heavily reliant on him exactly. That's for it. this exact reason. That's, that is it. That's the exact point I put in your comments the other day. Is that... Maybe he is in a bad run of form. You can't deny that. We can. I will talk about maybe why in a minute. But the rest of the team has not drastically got worse or drastically improved. People are saying, "Oh, he's playing in the same team, same players behind him, this and that." Aubameyang was making those players, if anything, look ten times better than anyone else. It was yeah. sorry, it was making them players look ten times better because he was ten times better than everyone else. He was the shine, and, and I don't know why people are forgetting this. Like he wasn't some like oh, he was literally. We knew we were saying ourselves he was clear of the team. Now he's somewhat come down to their level. It's like, oh, where's he gone? What? Why? Why is he not being extremely better than everyone else anymore? I'm not saying that he should not have been scoring goals. I'm not saying that he. Yeah, like not when when it's fine now. By any means. Yeah, yeah, but it's high. It's highlighting if anything how reliant we were on him and we're, we're obviously becoming reliant on someone like Gabriel now but obviously he he's in a two-man position effectively so he can't do everything by himself but usually Aubameyang was our source for he was at one point our source for assists our source mm. for goals source for everything you know it was chuck it to Aubameyang on the left cut in going that right when it's working cool but the moment it stops working it looks awful because he's the only guy getting the goals. And I'm like, if Arsenal had any ambitions to, you know, challenge and be a top side, they never rely on this. As I said, we don't even we don't even have any creators in the side, let alone multiple goal getters. Mm. Like, up top, it's a star fence. And that's another reason. I don't know, because I'm not I don't want to excuse Obama for this form, because me personally, I feel like he's actually in worse form than Lacazette. It's just yeah. Lacazette is the more easier player to meme. Obviously, Aubameyang done much more the previous season, so there's a lot of reasons to let Aubameyang's one slide. But if we look at, if we say the, the cold-hearted truth, like Aubameyang has been worse than Lacazette this season, and that should not be hidden by any way, shape, or form, in my opinion. Yeah, do you know what? I'm just thinking: Do I even prefer Aubameyang in the middle? I'm gonna give him 
two more games because I feel like just two games that the last two games that he's played I guess it's slightly unfair to just but judge him on those two games although you know he is on poor form and that but given two more games maybe three more games we got I, I believe the run of form run of games so is Tottenham like Everton Brighton Burnley like but you know what you think when, before if you were to tell me like a a schedule or fixture sorry mm. I think cool win draw lose honestly I cannot yeah, it's it, it, it's home. If it was at home, a high chance of winning. If it was away, a mm, bit of a low chance of winning. Gee, like form doesn't matter about form anything. Brighton statistically have the worst home record in the Premier League in 2020. They haven't won consecutive games since um, November last year. It's but not I don't remember the last time we beat Brighton. I think the last time we beat Brighton was yeah, we lost. Sanchez. But that's what I'm saying. Like they, they're four. 17. When I deep it, man, I think where Arsenal are actually the only team Brighton have beat at home this year in the Premier League. Yeah. But you know, I was I was saying that like because of that poor run of form, it's like you can't even come into confidence looking at that, thinking, all right, cool, we because our, our, our Brighton our game against Brighton coming up is away. But it's mm-hmm. like, can you even look at that with confidence? Can you say, yeah, like they're on this. Um, dire form and we're coming up can you really say it with your chest boy no but yeah the but yeah back to Aubameyang yeah like um, he's hit poor and it's since that since he signed the contract I don't know I'm not I don't want to say that he secured the bag and dipped but it it's looking too, like that it seems too perfect and I would 100% understand that because even just naturally like your bit of ambition is gone mm. And because in this part of the season, especially, you're not really fighting towards anything. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Like I would say, yesterday was his worst performance. I, you could arguably say it's his worst performance in an Arsenal shirt. Definitely his worst performance this season because he actually had chances. Yeah. Like there's been many times where he would just not have a shot, a shot full stop, and it'd just be a thing where he's ghosted, quote unquote. But he actually had many chances where it was crossed into him, where it was put on a... No, I wouldn't say put on a plate, but an, a chance he should be putting away when he, he was in last season form, for example. But you know, what's, honestly, what's the point of putting a ball in? How did you see... Oh, Jay, look, before I move on from... Before I move on from Bami, I just want to say that you can tell he's, the confidence is nil. Because you know when you're, you know when you're striking, you're moving out on the wing? Yeah. And you're drifting to, the, to get out of that... Anyway, enough about him. Hopefully, he can, he can turn it around. But. Yeah, man. But yeah, no, overall, it's not looking good for Arsenal. You know, first time I'm starting to question Arteta's tactics and his little um, kind of philosophy coming into the game. You know what? We'll see how it goes. And as I said, this is a situation where it's just hit that worrying stage where it can easily spiral out of control. Um, you know what? If we lose our next game at home, because we've got Burnley at home, that's four losses now. As I said, it can easily spiral out of control. So we will address Arteta. I'd say I want to address Arteta properly in the coming games. Before they would we be move on, yeah. do you think obviously London is in tier two and Burnley's the first game that we're going to have fans or the Europa League game this week? Do you think fans is going to change anything? Because at the Emirates, we are not, we weren't the loudest set of fans, but. We've been to some games. Like we went to the Newcastle one. It was a nice. Mm. It was well, nice. I remember um, Emery's last game. 
um, the stadium was ridiculously empty. Yeah, it could be that type of vibes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say, to be honest, because it's like, like it's, it's come at such a bad time. Yeah, we've they've, they've, we've been allowed to see our worst form. Like we're also <laughs> hit their worst form just as the stadiums are about to open. So, like I don't think we would see any booze, but uh, surely not. I feel like. Do you think shame? It's like people. Yeah, I feel like it's a thing where like this is the first time the stadiums are open again. The first thing you don't want to be doing is booing. Yeah. I don't know if that's just me looking too deep into it, but it's just like. I feel like some of the fans might just be grateful that they're about, they're able to be in um, stadiums again. So they might just be doing their usual cheering and stuff. I don't think we'll see anything mm-hmm. like that. I feel like, obviously, it's only 2,000 fans. So if we're talking about what effect you would make on a match for the team, yeah, yeah. make it make a little, you know, a little sound here and there. But it's nothing like the usual 60,000 atmosphere that the uh, players are accustomed to. Yeah. But I feel like he would he'll do he'll add a little sign, you know, you know, when the game's done, if we if Arsenal win, you have a little couple fans to clap to you and you know, mm. stuff like that. But um before we move on from this game, because I think we what 40 minutes on this. Yeah. Wanna just shed a bit of light on Wolves. And big up Wolves each and every time. Pedro Neto, only 20 years old. Yeah. He's someone who's All gone under the radar for so young. Fam. Baller that. Like. He's mm. gone under the radar for so long now. Because I think he's he, He's been doing his thing for the last couple of seasons, but obviously they've had many guys at Wolves. Yeah. And obviously Yota was the main guy, but he's replacing him with ease. Yeah. They that's remember we were saying that realistically Wolves, him losing them losing Jota, they lost him at the perfect or they got rid of him or let him go, sorry. Let him go at the perfect time to get a lot of money for him. But luckily they have that ready re- ready made replacement. Hundred percent. And obviously I don't wish injury upon anyone, obviously, but Jimenez going. I think Nuno looked pretty upset. And I think he must have thought that it might be curtains for them and attacking wise. But even the young Fabio Silva coming in. Um, yeah, he done on the, well. on, Yeah, 100% Podence on the right. Mm. Attacking wise, they're looking more. And you know what was good about Wolves yesterday? Like, this is the first time I've seen them play a four at the back. Yeah. So that means this was the front three in action, yeah. and it done pretty well. Yeah, hopefully it could they be do very interesting. Stay with that because it's a bit more positive. You said? Hopefully they stay like that footballing wise because it's a bit more positive to work, yeah. a bit more creative and stuff. Yeah, because the whole three at the back system was, yeah. you know, was doing them good. It was working for them. You can't crucify them for that. By uh, they were much... getting a bit found out from that. Though. Yeah, literally. They went through that little run of form this whole year, to be honest, towards the end of last season, coming into the start of this season. Like, it wasn't looking great for them. Yeah. But um, hopefully the spirit... Because obviously, there was many questions around Connor Cody as well, whether he can actually do the three at the, uh, the four at the back team because he's being hailed as... Uh, he's a three at the back merchant. Like, yeah. all he can do is in the three at the back. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck him in the four and you'll get exposed. But he held his own well yesterday. Mm. So, um, yeah, no, shout out to... Shout out to MT. Shout out to Wolves, I say, each and every time. But we'll move on to... Where should we move on to? Southampton. Let's just get that game out of the way. Mm. Now, first of all, James Ward-Prowse, elite set-piece taker. Yeah. I meant what I said in my post. Like People are trying to say, what is he 
definitely one of the best in the league, if not the best. That's what they're saying in the comments. But in the world, you're moving a bit mad to be putting him up there. But I stand by that fact that he is one of the best set piece set piece takers in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. The numbers speak for themselves. What fifty percent of the free kicks scored this season by him? The guys in his own league. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Like as soon as he's over a dead ball, you're. There's a very high chance of the goal. Yeah, literally, like, as I said, free kicks to him are like penalties to the rest of the game. Yeah. So, um, shout out to him because he's a, he's a very solid player. And I feel like, I, I've always said this about Will Prowse, it's like, if he could just maintain that bit of consistency, mm. he would definitely be playing for a bigger side. With all due respect to Southampton. Yeah, that's the thing. Remember we were he just saying... Feels, yeah, go on. We were saying that it's kind of hard to see where he can really progress from here. Yeah, because yeah, he's a bit of a, like, with all due respect, a purple patch player. Yeah. Like, I've seen this way too many times. Every season, season in, season out, he would do a madness, whipping a couple of good free kicks, be good from the set pieces, actually pull the strings in the midfield. Then you'll go through it. And I feel like that's not even just him. That's the Southampton thing. And I think that's something we might as well slowly veer on to now is Southampton, I wouldn't say they've got a bottle mentality, but they don't seem to see out games mm. or see out periods. Mm. And it's a bit of an issue. Like I feel like when it's when it with Southampton, when it rains, of course. So you saw what happened with Leicester and obviously that run of form up until that Leicester game. Yeah. It was bad. Every single game, it was looking like so bad. Then, ever since that game, they had a lot of upturning form. Then, towards the end of that season, they went down again, and it's just it fluctuates all the time. And even then, even we saw with the Aston Villa game, I believe did they they lost? No, they won four three, but they nearly lost it at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like they can never really properly see obviously they won that game in the end but it's like you're not seeing these games out comfortably it's always a nervy it end counts. and we saw it to what should I say yesterday against Manchester United again not seeing our games don't know if they get tired don't know if it's a mental thing but I feel like as much as I rate Ralph Hasselbrook well, the guy because I feel like he's one of the most underrated coaches in the league mm. that's my one flaw about him yeah, it's it's, it's 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 kind of hard to see how they can really like because the thing is their defense is not even the worst. Like, what's his, what's the big Vestergaard is a really good. He's back. done well this season. Obviously, yesterday he looked a bit off, but yeah. this season overall he's had a good season. Yeah, the midfield is alright as well, but like you're saying, they just don't in in them last couple minutes anything could happen mm. and it's not it's not the best situation it's not like especially that's the thing they they did like they've got goal scoring threat obviously now Danny Angel has gone yeah outscoring teams is going to be much harder than yeah Chris. like Che Adams does his thing Adam Armstrong here and there but yeah it's going to be a big struggle without your main goal scorer Danny yeah. Ings but um, yeah, no, we might as well move on to Man United then. When you know, 
Bruno Fernandes coming clutch again. Now, yeah. I've said my agenda on him many times on this podcast. I've said it many times on Twitter. We just can't beat this guy. We can't beat him. He will find his way on the score sheet. And it's, to be fair, yes, recently, I'll give him his plaudits. I'm seeing a bit of an, a playmaker side to him. I'm seeing a bit more of his game rather than just finding himself on the end of crosses or finding himself with that killer pass and that's it and for the rest of the game he gives away the ball I'm not really seeing that much of recent yeah like, he is starting yeah. to step up to be fair because yeah that no really... that was my thing with him like he mm. was he would get a goal he would get an assist but he would always give away the ball and people always use that excuse where he's giving away the ball because he's trying to start something but when I see him give away the ball it's like no, you're not trying to start something. He wasn't trying to play that killer pass to split the defence. Mm. He was just giving away a simple five-yard pass or you done a silly flip just for no reason at all in the middle of the park. And I saw that yeah. too many times. And that was, that, was, that was what was getting me frustrated about Bruno because he was beginning to look like a bit of a false image. Yeah. But as I said, in the last couple of weeks, I've actually seen him, you know... <laughs> do a bit more, add a bit more to his game as a performance. I'm not just talking about obviously getting on the score sheet. I'm seeing him actually putting some decent balls over yeah. the top and play some good passes. Doesn't really give away the ball as much and obviously still maintains his way on the score sheet. Mm. So I feel like that's one, that goes for anyone really. It's like whatever views you might have on Bruno, like simply put, you can't beat him. Yeah. He's gonna go on. He's gonna get on the score sheet. He will come clutch for United time after time. The numbers are there. Like this is up. This is about you know, Yeah, he seems inevitable at this point. Very. And um, shout out to obviously Edison, Cavani, El Matador. Yeah, do you know what? I, I stood on your thing that I was wrong. To be fair to him, I was definitely wrong myself. I thought, what, a South American taking up the number seven at Manchester United? A yeah, recipe um, for failure. Do you know what? I, what? Not, not um, raining on parades, but Di Maria did start well. He did. Uh, he didn't really actually have a bad season. Yeah. I think he got like, what, 12 assists during that period and what, five goals or something like that. His record was decent. Yeah. So um, he's probably the only one you can somewhat leave with his head held high. Obviously, it, didn't end, it ended on a sour note. And obviously, United fans hate him now because of the whole PSG situation. But yeah, he's probably the only one, only South American I can think. Obviously, Alexis Sanchez, poor. Falcao, poor. Verón, poor. Bear, guys. <laughs> There's a long list. Literally. And obviously, yeah. the number seven in itself. Yeah. Again, goes without saying. Do you know what is with Cavani is that that level of world class striker? The movement that you have, the move that you naturally have, is just instinctual, instinctive. Sorry. Mm. So, all his were, were the two goals headers. Yes. No. Yeah. No. No. One of them was a header, and one of them was like a kind of tapping. But it was like I don't want to say tapping, take away anything away from it. It's good positioning, yeah. good instinct. Yeah. So it wasn't. It wasn't like. I don't, it's not like sharp shooting or whatever. Like he, he's pretty known. I don't think he's known for his headers necessarily. He's he's quite like a he was a good striker of the ball, but the movement just to get into position is like a dream for guys like Fernandez. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Fernandez 
got the first one. I forgot who got the second assist. I think it was Rashford. Rashford, great ball. Rashford, I remember. Beautiful area for him. And maybe the area was kind of highlighted by Cavani or Rashford is obviously, he has a amazing player. He has a good vision for like a good run. But it was a perfect, it was a well-crafted goal type thing. Mm. That at this moment in time, or previously, United strikers and United attackers weren't really offering. Definitely, like, I, I'm a big fan of Martial, mm. but this season, like Aubameyang, been atrocious. But the thing about Martial is one thing I've always said about him, I always preferred him as a winger. He's not a striker. Yeah. Please, United fans, stop forcing this whole number nine shit, this new Thierry Henry shit. He's not that. He can make a very, very good winger. Bro, mm. the guy's an elite dribbler. When he's in his full flow when it comes to dribbling, one of the best in the world, in my personal opinion, because the ball, you can't get off him. I'll always refer back to that little dribble against Real Madrid. And obviously, it was a preseason game, but nuts. Still Marcelo, I think. Yeah, bro, like, the way he done that was nuts. Mm. Like, the ball just stuck to... I think, obviously, Jesse Lingard scored it in the end. But, like, yeah, he's... A much better winger and when he's coming in, curling those shots. Like as I said, the best Martial I've personally seen was that 17-18 season when he was their main winger before Alexis Sanchez came in January. Yeah. Like Bro, he was incredible that season and I think he was getting player the months. He had no reason to be dropped by Alexis Sanchez. He had no reason. I mean, I, I wouldn't really, I don't know, to be honest, because obviously Alexis Sanchez is the big name signing, so you can somewhat understand it. But they had no reason to be signing Alexis Sanchez during that period anyway, because that season, Martial was definitely performing better than him. And I just feel like Martial is a better winger. As a striker, it's so, it's so clear now that he's not that, you know, people force the whole hold-up play thing, the link-up play. It's decent for a player who... That's what I'm saying. My personal opinion was, it's decent for a player who I believe is a winger. But if we're talking about strikers who actually hold up the ball, he can't chat to someone like Giroud. Mm. He can't chat to someone like uh, Mandzukic or these guys who actually are renowned for holding up the ball and linking up play. Mm. When it comes to movement, he can't chat to Cavani in his own team, let alone other guys. Mm. This whole season, we've seen Martial just kind of just like not be interested, not really put himself in there. And the moment Cavani gets in there, the moment he gets in there, complete contrast, bro. Do you know what? He's been a victim to the whole is Rashford a striker or winger debate as well, mm. especially when they were playing together. Me, you, I, for me, if I'm a manager, the one thing I love is two players that are not rigid in position. So if I have Martial and Rashford, I'm telling them, do your thing. Don't stick in position. Obviously, if one's in striker, cover the wing, if it's vice versa. Yeah. But just be a duo that you need to be. Link up however you want to link up. Do what you feel is best. Like you're, I respect your reading of game. That is a bit social vibes with no tactics, but... Mm. They're, they're, quite, they're great players and forcing Rashford on the like it's even a debate in itself is Rashford a better wing or a striker forcing shoehorning these players is pointless yeah literally I feel like they're, they're both quite awkward players because mm. like you said they went, they, it feels like you're shoehorning them because when when Rashford first broke out I was on a thing where 
yeah, right, start him as a striker now. But obviously Lukaku was there, so it was always a sticky situation. Ibrahimovic, them guys. So he had to kind of play as a winger just to get some game time. Would you and know the now, thing is, yeah, go on. The thing is, before you move on, or carry on, is if I'm a if I'm a winger, or if I'm a striker at the start of the season, and I'm forced to play on the wing, midway through the season, by the end of the season, if I'm playing on the wing every week, if I'm training on the wing every week, I'm gonna then be adapted to that position. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So yeah, then, get, yeah. then next season, oh, all our strikers are gone, so I need to go back to striker. It's kind of like. I kind of need, you need to make your mind up on me something like what what can I probably focus on I mean I'm seeing guys kind of talk about Rashford as like a playmaker now I've seen that being thrown about a couple more obviously it's not something I agree with by any means but it's like that's there just needs to be a, comp- yeah, like a official yeah no still talk about him like as like a I don't know I've seen many guys put um, Rashford out there as like a creator now and it's like, gee, like he just he, needs to, he just needs to nail down a position now. Yeah. And obviously, he had his best season last season, or should I say, most productive season last season yeah. as a winger. I feel like that's his position. But as for Martial, I've always said that wingers, his position, obviously, we can't have two left wingers. And that's where the sticky situation is. Yeah. All I know is up top, Edison Cavani should be starting because. Huge. Diff- I'd even say it's a huge difference from anything we've seen from Rashford up top when he's played there as well. Like, and obviously it's kind of expected because you know Cavani ain't no average guy. What over two hundred goals in the last decade? Top five goal scorers, I believe, um, from two thousand ten to two thousand twenty in all competitions. Nat, um, PSG top goal scorer. Like this guy's an experienced hitman at yeah. the top level. This is yeah. no surprise. Yeah, exactly. It's not a bad thing that he spelled the Martial and Rashford uh, top. Like, it's a given. Yeah. But yeah, no, Cavani has to be starting for them now. Like, he's got three goals and he hasn't even completed 90 minutes yet. You know, he's going to offer them something different. But what I will say with to United fans is don't get too sucked in. What I would say is remember that he is 33 years old. Remember that he will do a, a quick fix now, maybe a quick fix for this season. But he's not a long-term plan, not a long-term player. Yeah. And yeah, it should exactly. be remembered about that. And I don't I don't even think he should really start. You don't think so? Cavani. Yeah, you don't think Cavani should start? I don't think he should start. So you th- you'd become too reliant on him. So you'd advocate for Martial getting put back in the uh, starting eleven. <laughs> it's a bit of a catch twenty two, isn't it? Yeah. A, personally, un- unfortunately, I don't feel that passionate towards it. But I do believe that you need game time to find your confidence again. But I just can't see what I can't see what Cavani really offers starting. Do you know what? I was it was interesting to see Greenwood get taken off. I don't think it's. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I feel completely forgot about that guy. Yeah. Give Greenwood a shot then. It was a bit. It was a bit. It was a bit unfortunate that he had to make way, but. Yeah. Yeah, man. I would say if he's if Cavani's not going to start, then the only guy I would subsidise him for is um, Greenwood. Mm-hmm. I say right now, Martial is in dire form, like. 
Sat- it's something dumb like what Cavani's got as much goals as he's got on shots on target like it's not clicking for him at all this season and <laughs> literally like last season it clicked for him and I was that's what I'm saying my starts on Martial I rate him as a player I think he's a better winger he done well as a striker last season so I'll congratulate him for that I still believe he's a better winger he's now getting exposed that he's a better winger and not actually a, an out and out striker that's my view on it. You know he wasn't even in the squad yesterday? Yeah, him and Pogba. Well, I, we don't need to talk too much about Pogba, to be honest, but everyone yeah. knows my stance in it. Another day. But do you, what do you think about them playing, finally playing Van der Beek? I mean... And Fred as well, because I thought Fred was... He was having a howl, I thought. Bro, I'm saying this. Like, he I was, don't he get... Lad, his, I don't get the hive. For Fred, I don't get mm. the people who back him and go two for nil for him. He's not that player. Guys were telling him to tell Kante to come outside. He's not that player. He's never been that level. He can't even chat to Hoiberg. Mm. Can't chat to Kante. Can't chat to a lot of these top guys. He's a mid player and he will always be a mid player. I don't rate the guy. He's got a good engine on him. That's it. He's very limited, always gives all key fouls, which yes. you're not here for. Because um, when you got James Ward Prowse, like, I told a United fan, I was, I mean, United manager, I would specifically not play Fred against a James Ward Prowse side. Freak specialist. Because <laughs> it's, it's literally written in the stars that the mm. one player who gives away the free kick, the best player at giving away free kicks against the best guy scoring free kicks, you're setting yourself up. He doesn't even do tactical fouls. He literally just does pure fouls. Like he's not doing it to get a yellow and for the team. He's just. Ah, it's just so Fred, Fred's one player I've never rated, and I just, it's not personal. I just say how he's never rated that guy. And I don't think I ever. He's never shown. He feels like a bit of a Jacko. Mm. When I say uh, instead of it being long passes with Jacko, it's an engine with him. Or something like, I don't know. I just feel like he's a very limited player, doesn't offer much. And um, yeah, man. But who else were you talking about? I think that's Van about it. Who's saying? Van der Beek. Oh, yeah, that, that was it. That was it. Um, he done very well against Istanbul in the Europa mm-hmm. League. You know, no surprise that we actually saw some fluid, a bit of champagne football when he was on the field. Um, he done decent yesterday. I wouldn't really put in the blame to him for like obviously the poor start and then obviously yeah. as we grew into the game or actually as they grew into the game done his thing I wouldn't say he had a major influence on yesterday's game but he wasn't bad remember we were saying how how you literally just replaced them but like this is their team realistically yeah you no, know, bro you made that point and you know what it's looking more and more like that was the case like they basically replaced Pogba with two transfers in Bruno and Van der Beek yeah. it's looking more and more like that because now he's not even making the squads yeah. I mean I've, I've always had my piece on Pogba and it's like it's just you need to turn up yeah. and it's he's having his worst season in a United shirt in the season where this is meant to be your last excuse of the season before I come down hard and yeah. Yeah. but um yeah duck. man like yeah he could duck out yeah, yeah literally well he's not going to Real Madrid 
because I don't know why certain guys are saying, oh, go to Real Madrid, link up with Zidane, you know, like, yeah. it'll be happy days. Gee, that boat has sailed. Yeah. Where he's going to go next, I'll, I do not know. Maybe a move to PSG might do him good, you know, their midfield's looking kind of mid. But obviously, Verretti, I'm looking at him, I'm seeing names like Idrissa Gay. With all due respect to Idrissa Gay, like, he done his thing with Everton, but we're talking about teams that want to challenge for Champions Leagues. Yeah. We're seeing some very average guys in this PSG side, so maybe a beef there could do him good. He doesn't hold any ties in France, from what I believe. Well, he came from La Havre. Yeah, yeah. He never, he didn't, he didn't play for any French teams. Yeah, I feel like that would probably be a good move for him. You know, they need a player like him. Hopefully, he can then find himself again in a new league, but his days are looking more and more numbered as the days go by and you know it is what it is to be honest it's football but um yeah we'll keep it moving on to where should we go next uh, let's knock out the chelsea game and then um we'll go to the liverpool game after that i feel like the liverpool game will be a good one to close it on but yeah this chelsea game was such a ball fest (laughs) it was a horrible man do you know what's so funny? I was saying, I was watching with my friends. I was like, after the Chelsea game, I was like, I did not want to watch that game, but this Arsenal game, I don't want to watch either for different reasons. But yeah, it was, it was from, do you know what? From the offside goal, did you, did you see the Vern offside? Yeah, that was, that was a very good finish for that one moment, but yeah. Werner, we might need to start. Werner was just on there. He was, he was doing up Aubameyang on the wing. He was hugging the touchline. Mm. Like even sometimes where he wasn't even running, like making runs as he usually would. So, are you advocating for him playing as the striker then? Do you know what I for um, um what was I saying? In the way he plays, he does need a tool to tool. What am I saying? Tool striker to play off. That's what I was thinking. Like but, I can't imagine. My view on Werner is like he's not alone. He's not good enough to be a long striker, yeah. but obviously he's not a winger to be playing as a winger. Yeah. It's a, and then this goes back to a point we made in our podcast a very long time ago. Was maybe did, was there an actual thought process behind this Chelsea recruitment, no. or did they just pick a load of big names who are doing bits and on form and just say let's just chuck them all in the same side? Because the only way I see Werner working is if you do play two up top, like you said, a tall target man beside him. Giroud. Maybe you can... Giroud. I think you can even do well with Havertz there as like a kind of centre-forward kind of player. Not yeah. as a two strikers, but just in behind. I thought yeah. that could work I like well. That. I like that very much. But then, this is the predicament we're in. What happens to Pulisic and Ziyech? Mm. Because they're not... They're more inside forwards, to be exactly. keeping it short. Exactly. So if I- you're playing two up top... And you can't have two inside fours because that's too crowded. So they have to be touchline wingers. And then Ziyech and Pulisic as a touchline winger? Mm. Pulisic, maybe. But if so, he's wasted. I mean, if if, if Ziyech is going to be the touchline winger, I can already see it. He's just going to whip in loads of crosses and that's it. Did you see Ziyech at some parts was just in in the middle there? Because he, yeah. he did have Reese James behind him. And that's that's his kind of preferred position, yeah. which is why I'm saying that like, the two up top just can't work. Do and you know that's what? the only way I see it working with Werner. 
literally literally what you're saying sorry to cut you no go on go on yeah i was just that's what i was saying because even when people trying to tell me yeah is he to play on the wing i'm starting to question myself like am i am i seeing the same guy i just can't see ziet as like a up and down and when he, he's when he's playing he's in the middle he could fall into that wing fielder bracket where obviously yeah, yeah. you're a winger on paper but you're in that space in between the center of the pitch and the wing you're just in that little little spot there yeah. as i said we call it the wing fielder and i yeah. feel like he could definitely fall into that category yeah but yeah my thing with Werner, I, I, yeah i don't it's gonna be able to sign him i think bar that one moment where he finished that extremely well he doesn't really strike me as a clinical player anyways even if you did play him up top i don't get those clinical vibes from him mm. I, I, and then we'll move on to tammy abraham as well because the amount of chances that guy wasted I mean, well, I know for a fact you were saying you were screaming for Giroud on them chances. I mean, uh, I've been screaming for Giroud the whole time. Like, yeah. I like Abraham as a guy. I can see what he offers at times. But I think when he does play well, he doesn't really get his credit for it when he does do well. And mm. he put up solid numbers last season. But I will still stand by this this hill that Giroud is much better player than than him in all corners of the stretch. Airily, bro, the amount of times he, Tammy Abraham, went into the ball to head a ball with his eyes closed. Eyes closed. It's the number one striker rule. It's obviously, I used to, when I, you know, when I played football before my little ACL injury, you know, I was always told when the ball gets crossed in, never close your eyes. Like, if it's crossed in for you to be to take a header, never, ever close your eyes. Always go in and head that ball with your eyes wide open. Mm. And you'd always think, I always thought to myself, no, surely not. Like, obviously, when you do the header, eventually your eyes might close during that process. The moment your eyes close, I don't know what it is, split second, you lose all kind of whereabouts of where the ball is. And he keeps failing that number one rule. And I look at someone like Giroud, as I said, heading, he's one of, if not the best in the league at um, that. Mm. Link-up play and those near-post finishes. The mm. amount of balls that Reese James was whipping in yesterday, 100% Giroud would have bagged one of them. Did you see how they kept cutting to Giroud as well? Just thinking, what the fuck is this guy doing on the pitch? Is that in there? And I don't get... Yeah, like, I don't get what Fra- uh, Frank Lampard's stance is on Giroud because you would not be playing Champions League football without Giroud towards the end of last season like, let's not get it twisted oh. he went on an incredible well, I wouldn't say incredible he went on a very solid run of form at the end of last season you know when they're winning games against West Ham yeah. um, games against Tottenham I remember the 2-0 game um, he was just netting in every single game and he was their goal getter so when he's now doing up bench time and I get it it's just he because he's 34 and Tammy's young Werner's young but these men are not producing. Do you know what? It's so easy to put you on the bench, and he's made he's done that to himself in a way. But just know when to bring him on. Just know it. It's an it's a knack. Sixtieth minute. Yeah. He needs to be subbed on. He needs to be guaranteed sub. Yeah, um, might need to start a little dialogue on Frank Lampard in these big games. Mm, Maybe yeah. a little conversation could be had on that because. 
for start. I don't think I don't actually think they've scored against a top six side in the league this season. Over 200, 206 minutes or something, I saw something dumb like that. Or, yeah. And then he just feels he's like he's United very cautious. United. Huh? Didn't even manage to score against Man United. Yeah. Like he comes across very cautious in these big games and it's 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 like the whole thing with Arteta. Like we weren't we were pragmatic, but we when we were pragmatic, we weren't pragmatic to not lose. We were pragmatic to kind of on the counter Yeah. Like Emery would uh, uh, Emery would set us up not to lose, whereas Arteta would set us up to be solid defensively, and then that's it. We we want to win games though, mm. and as I said, well as we're seeing now, it's like when it was all working, that was good. Now when Arsenal started to lose games, fans are starting to question it. Fans are starting to turn on it because when you're playing that kind of style and it's not working, it looks worse than it actually is. And well, that's the one thing I'd say on this whole Frank Lampard in the big games, it's like, cool, you're grinding out these nil-nils and it's it's getting you by now. But when you start to lose, maybe, maybe the fans might start to turn. I don't know. Mm. It's food for thought because slightly paper and over cracks. I feel like yesterday, Chelsea fans should not... I, I get it, it's Tottenham on form it's Mourinho I get it you shouldn't really be happy with if you're at home just a draw but yeah to be fair even Mourinho was saying that I think he re- he definitely was going into that game for a draw oh if, Mourinho was de- yeah Mourinho would be happy with it bro this guy's a this is football terrorism bro <laughs> he had an expected goal XG of zero in the second half bam <laughs> oh my god Expected goals is not just down to like obviously shots and t- that's just that's down to the chance creation. This guy <laughs> done nothing, and it's 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 smart for Marina, I guess, because he got what he wanted from him. I feel like he set up for a draw. He got what a draw. Got what he wanted. He will leave there happy. Got a clean sheet as well. So I feel like it, yesterday's result was definitely better for Spurs and Mourinho than it was for Frank Lampard. Yeah. 100%. And yeah, they, yeah, like you said, they got their point. Yeah, and I feel like overall, I guess Chelsea would be alright with the point. The point is better than losing. Obviously, keep up the momentum. Obviously, there was a couple of good play- performances yesterday. I feel like uh, Kovacic done well yesterday. Mason Mark done well yesterday. Reese James done well. Mendy was solid when called upon. Chilwell done his thing. Like, they done their thing, but I don't know. If you really want to touch that level, I feel like you need to start really asserting yourself in these big games. Mm. Because what it will look, what it will slowly begin to look like is they're only doing it against the small sides, yeah. and you don't want to come across that way. Yeah. Like you don't want people to rub off your thing because like you only do it in the small games. You want to, you want to kind of tick off all corners, really. Yeah, because to be fair, last season they were going to away grounds. And they were doing their thing. Even Tottenham, I think. I think they beat them twice. You beat Mourinho's Tottenham twice, at least. Yeah, they beat Tottenham. Yeah, they've done well in the big games. I think they only lost to United. Because then United... Oli was on his own kind of mad little run for me in the big <laughs> yeah. games as well. Yeah. Which made no sense. Run, yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. But, but yeah, fam, that game was a bore fest if we're keeping it true. Terrible watch. But I feel like if you wanna, if you supported one of the sides, then it was more, you could see the tactical side of it. But you would still be left disappointed because it's a nil-nil. Yeah, and you've, there was enough, well, <laughs> there was enough chances for Chelsea, not Tottenham necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, now let's quickly knock out this this Liverpool game in the last 10 minutes of this podcast. We're going to try to close it off on the one hour 30 mark before mm-hmm. nine o'clock because I'm trying to catch that Anton Ferdinand documentary looking very interesting. But mm-hmm. Brighton versus Liverpool. I mean, where do you... I feel like the game was a, it was a decent game. As a game, there wasn't much to take away from it, really. Like, Liverpool weren't that threatening but they came clutch when they needed to obviously the big talking points is VAR yeah they got um, they got pretty much violated by VAR that game extremely because this is my issue with VAR we look at the Salah offside goal yes I, th- I think it was a toll offside yeah like it was it's the smallest thing and I think this is where referring back to the last podcast is everything's hella robotic. Like, in what way can Mohamed Salah get an advantage because of his big toe poking out a little bit? Mm. <laughs> you're you're ruining the offside rule, ruining the game take, because these are not genuine offsides. Yeah, they're taking the context out of offside. Yes, that's that's it. There needs to be context applied. Like, get yeah, it? Technically speaking, if we look at it, he might be a centimetre offside. Offside is still offside. But, like you said, context needs to be added to it because it's like, he can't. we can't keep seeing these guys get ruled out for these because these are game-changing decisions. As we saw, Liverpool drew points yesterday. If that goal counted, they would have won. Mm. So, they need to just sort that out because it's, it's becoming a regular occurrence. You know, another week, another week of us talking about the VAR the offsides and we'll move on to that as I said not much really happened in that game to be honest Liverpool took their chance when they needed to I don't there wasn't really much standout performance from both um, Brighton and I thought that um, Bissouma done well mm. yeah, but did. that's kind of become expected yeah, as I said one of the most underrated players in the league but yeah Right, then nothing really happened in the game to, other, other than towards we got to the end. Yeah. Not a penalty, in my opinion. Never a penalty. Do you think? I've, obviously, there's contact, but I just feel like it's too soft. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's just just silly. Silly now. And, and when you have. To, yeah, go on. My thing is today, in today's football, whatever you want to call it, it has to be a penalty because. That's the thing they've made that we call for consistency, but not consistently stupid. Like, yeah, 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 literally. They're being, they're, st- they're standing by their guns. They're just the wrong guns. Yeah, it's like even they were doing it with um, because even when you look at it, he wasn't really, he wasn't so, in, he wasn't like, it wasn't a goal scoring opportunity stop. I feel like even the contact was minimal. Like it wasn't a massive amount. Obviously, Brighton one 0 down in the dying stages of the game. You're just gonna do anything really to get a point, get a penalty. So I can understand. Was it Welbeck's thinking behind yeah, that? I don't even think he got. He didn't get kicked down. He he then. No, it was just a tap. 
Yeah. He was anticipating the contact. It was a contact that was going to happen. What a referee should do is use a bit of common sense and see that it's not a, as you said, goal scoring opportunity. It wasn't a massive contact for him to go down. He only went down really because he went down. Like, I didn't even look at him initially and ignored that. He was looking at a great view and then ignored it. But yeah, man, this obviously that cost him the points. And obviously, what's your take on the, obviously, end of 1 1, Klopp's view yeah. and Bex. Done his best, Kevin Keegan impression in that post interview. What was your take on that interview? <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned it here before, but I don't even like. I don't like these Des Kelly guys. These um, who's the one on Sky? Jeff Science. But I respect. Mm. I do respect them because they don't take shit. Like they always ask. There's some reporters nowadays that ask stupid questions. They say, "So why do you think your team lost today?" Or do you, is your team going to win next week? Or are you happy about this result? And they've lost or something. This Des Kelly guy said, no, nah, you're not, you're not, you're not chatting. chatting you're not taking about, me for some dickhead. You're not like. about my, my employers. <laughs> not that he owes anything to BT Sport, but he was basically, he got what he wanted because he got, he got a great interview out of it. But I think Des Kelly was, it was a bit of like a, he was just even trying to conversate with him. He was saying, why are you coming at me when... It's the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? What I would say yeah. is that mm. I think that's a bit bullshit to a certain extent because what he he's what he's the, 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 the like the TV companies not taking responsibility mm. because I don't think the Premier League sat down and thought mm, let's play a game at twelve thirty. He wants it. Because that's BT's... The thing with Klopp, he even knows. He, he's not done. He knows that every single 12-30 game is on BT. That's why he knows He knows who he's talking to. This and that. Yeah. But if anything, just if if Liverpool have a game, 12-30 Saturday morning, because even I missed the start of it. I'm not some... I'm not an athlete. I wasn't travelling three days around the world, but it's quite early for like, a football game. Play, play on mm. Tuesday in the Champions League. Or... Put they put their game on Sunday. Arsenal always play on Sunday. Oh yeah, because they they have the Champions League rights as mm. well. Literally, both in the BT. Literally. I think that's why he thought it was a bit of some BT's conspiracy. Yeah, that's why because that's like, your I mean, your broadcasters, whatever. What I would say is both were kind of in the right. Yeah. If I was to dish any criticism to anyone, I did dish it to Klopp yeah, uh, because when he made that remark about. Um, Chris Wilder yeah. came across as a bit of a prick to be honest. Like, I like Klopp as a guy at times. Uh, well, one thing I've always said about him is he's an incredibly sore loser. Yeah. So, but we don't see him lose that often because Liverpool always exactly. win. So we don't really see the side of him. But we're seeing it more this season because Liverpool are now losing and dropping points more often. But he came across as a bit of a prick then. And there was no need to make the slide dig at Chris Wilder. I get it. He name dropped him before, but you know what? Like, I did like how he was name dropping everyone. He name dropped very He came all guns blazing. <laughs> it's funny though because if you think about it, like these guys are like they look at the other managers as like obviously as peers and as competitors as well. Like, yeah, you, you do that kind of. I don't know. I t- I tend to forget that, but bro, he he baited them out. And it's true. To be fair, Chris Wilder, what I he I understand where he is coming from. But they're rock bottom in the league. He was basically trying to say, "I'm not, I'm not bringing off, um, what's his name, Robertson, for some ta- some tactical masterclass. 
I'm thinking, no, be fair. Because mm. yeah. yeah. do you feel it though? I honestly, I don't think he make five tactical substitutions. If anything, you're sacked. I, I, I can tag it. That's my thing. My, my stance in it was like, I get it. I I get where a Chris Wilder might be coming from, but at the end of the day, we've already got three substitutes right now. An extra two. Like, if you're talking about quality, if you're talking about teams would get that advantage, it's like, they always had that advantage. Whether it's three stubs or five stubs, like, it's just the way it is. Yeah, you're not going to say the same about the first team. Their first team will always have the quality. And you know what? Same will apply to the bench, the manager. Realistically, the only team that benefits that is is Man City. There's not many other teams in the league that have five good substitutions that are better than the... And even then, Man City are kind of stuffed right now because they got their own injuries as well. And then this is what I mean. Like, if teams like Man City are getting injured, obviously, last season, they had an uprise in injuries. But during that 2017-2019 period, mm. when did Man City's players ever get injured? Other than Aguero, who gets the customary injury every <laughs> season. Sterling, like, Sane was fit regularly. Maris was fit. Like, <laughs> Davis Silva, like, thing. Laporte, they never had injuries. Liverpool never had injuries. Now, during this whole period, everyone's getting injured. Mm. I feel like that should be an indication that we should get the fives. It's needed. I don't believe in this whole big teams getting advantage. They always had the advantage. If it's three subs, five subs, they always had the advantage. It's a bigger picture here. And um, I get where Klopp's coming from. Because like, I'm just saying, the way he came across it, kind of dickhead vibes. He came across as a bit of a... It kind of like he just held... Chris Wilder's pants down when he said that, like, oh, what he's stuck on the bottom with zero point, um, what zero wins and stuff like that, like, and he's advocating for this. I don't think he knows what he's talking about, something like yeah. that. Like, uh, he was, I think, I kind of, he was basically yeah. saying, yo, you're suffering as well, man. Why are you trying to mess it up for the rest of us, type of thing? Yeah, that's what I feel like with the Klopp situation. I feel like many people tried to vilify Klopp, and as I said, the only bit I'll criticize him for is coming across as a prick when he made that statement, but. If everyone looks at the bigger picture, Klopp's actually trying to help mm. us. Like, it's not just Liverpool are suffering. Every team would benefit from these five substitutions. Mm-hmm. So, I, during most of the interview, I was feeling where Klopp's coming from. And obviously, I was feeling where Des Kelly was coming from yeah. because it's not him mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. the decisions. He's the reporter. But as I said, this was a lot of interviews. And, like, I don't think I've... I don't remember seeing much like this before the Kevin Keegan one comes to mind obviously but it's different situations because that was just a Kevin Keegan run like we're, we're seeing two guys go back and forth and it, the, bro there was one point where it, just, it veered away from being an interview and they were just having a little argument between us it was, bro it was crazy mm-hmm. 8 minutes 23 of TV gold <laughs> but yeah no that was that's all the drama from this weekend, obviously, we only do Premier League because loads of stuff happen around Europe. I mean, we'll see where this podcast takes off in a couple of years' time. We'll see if we can dice down um, European stuff. But as mm-hmm. for now, just your Premier League drama. Obviously, shout out to Man City doing their thing against Burnley. What other results were there? I'm, I'm watching the game now. 1-1 between Aston Villa and West Ham. Yeah. Looking like a decent game. Fulham got their first win. Yeah, crazy. You would have thought that I feel like there, there needs to be a bit of a study like between an iconic player Dan and the club that they're associated with like 
gaining these new spirits and just performing to their best of their ability the following weekend. Mm. We see it happen so many times. Yeah. Obviously, you saw it happen with Napoli, yeah, putting an absolute great performance against Roma, following the, obviously the death of Maradona. Yeah. And obviously, Papa, RIP Papa Viva Diop, something we forgot to mention at the beginning, but yeah. that at 42 years old, I believe, I can't remember what, I think it was cancer. Certainly, he's been battling for a while now. Yeah. But it kept under cards. Um, I didn't know too much about him, but it, when I heard the name, I did, it did ring bells. Yeah. Obviously, I'd done my research. He's, he's one of those good Premier League stalwarts mm. over the years. Portsmouth, Fulham, and obviously, yeah. So, going back to my previous point, it's like we look at, he was a former player of Fulham. Obviously, he just died, and I don't know, man. Yeah, he's dying. It's nice to see, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, that was another episode of the One Two Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Be myself, Jay, my usual co-host, Dave. Love, man. Yeah, man. Keep it locked next week. Hopefully, Arsenal pattern up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, next week, guaranteed fireworks. Either way, we'll catch you then in a bit. Peace.